0: Good morning, everyone. You guys doing well this morning? Good, good. Glad that you're here with us at E3. My name is Dan Meyer. I'm one of the pastors, and we are kicking off our series, Inverted, today. So I'm excited about that. If you guys are are new with us, then, uh, again, I just want to put a little little exclamation point on saying, like, we have people here that want to help you get connected. Go out there to the Pathways booth. Um, There'll be smiling faces and, uh, and they will help you get connected in community. Get one of the welcome bags. Feel free to drop a Connect card and just ask us how, to, how, how we can help you get plugged in and support you. We'd love to be able to do that. Uh, it just is our honor here. There's so many people in this church community that just give their lives on a, on a daily basis to help facilitate God's idea of, of life, the kingdom of heaven, biblical community. And so I want to invite you guys and encourage you guys in that. We are kicking off this series, Inverted, talking about the Beatitudes and and Jesus just giving these words of life to be able to speak to his disciples about really what what the kingdom of heaven is about. And it's a stark contrast to the things of the world. As I was going through the Beatitudes this week and just kind of reading them and, and thinking through them, Um, uh, I I came up with my own worldly beatitudes, so um, you could probably do the same thing, but these are just the things that that popped into my head as as I was looking at this. The world's beatitudes. Happy are the self-confident, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, that's right. Happy are the stoic, for they need no one. Happy are the power hungry for they will dominate. Happy are those who satisfy themselves for they will not be hungry. Happy are the merciful for others will think that they are good people. Happy are the experienced for they will not be naive. Happy are the peacemakers for they will avoid conflict. That was like one of my big ones. Happy are the comfortable for they can focus on their own wants. Any amens? Oh, man, this, this, is, like, this is like our heartbeat right here. <laughs> you know, we go, well, th- if this is the world's beatitudes, if these are, if these are our maxims or our axioms that, that we kind of throw around, these things that, that we think about, these things that resonate with our heart, then when Jesus comes and says his words, there's probably going to be some guttural reaction to that. If this, is what, if this is what our reality is and, and the things that we try to create, then when we hear Jesus' words, there's going to be this inversion. There's going to be this, this turning upside down that happens. And we've got a few people that are going to help us illustrate our conversation today because just, it's just such a simple conversation. You're not going to hear anything today that you have not heard before, but I hope that the Spirit of God would speak something new to you. Okay, because that's what he desires to do in our lives, and that is exactly the spiritual work that happens when we go to God's word, when we come with expectation. So the world's intent is—is this thing happiness? I mean, we even have it in our constitution, right? The pursuit of, right? Okay, so this is something that—that is—is very—it's—it's unalienable to us, right? These are our rights. these are the things that we, we feel our belief and our existence is founded in. And that what Jesus is talking about is not happiness, okay? He's not talking about it, happiness in, term, in, in our terms, in some kind of like temporary existence. Some, some experience that we create and, oh, I'm, I'm on the beach in Jamaica with the love of my life and there's no one else around for miles and I've got a cold drink in my hand and life just doesn't get any better. This is happiness. If we could just stay here, if we could just live here, if this could just be our bliss, right? I mean, hey, that's, that's pretty happy, right? Some of you have been there like, oh yeah, it's happy. It's happy. Let me tell you, it's happy. Okay, all right? But it's happy in a moment. It's happy, it's happy because we escape all of the things that are unhappy. The little voices that are always demanding our attention as much as we love them, right? The, the boss who's calling us in, the, the nine to five, the grind, the rat race, It's happy because of the way that we're living the daily life and we get to step outside of it. And Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in the circumstance. I'm actually, I want to introduce you to something beyond happiness. I want to introduce introduce you to to joy. And I want to introduce you to this thing called blessedness. Jesus cries out. He says, stop the insanity. All right. Do things this way. Follow after me. And you are going to experience abundant life. So this is like, these beatitudes are, are Jesus' manifesto. He says, this is what life is about. This is what godliness looks like. This is a window into the divine. And, and so we're going to have some community members that are going to help us today. I want to invite up um, Tim Singletary and, and Paula Capral. They're going to come on up. And we're going to have a little bit of... Um, Of time today where we we just sit here and and listen. And what Tim is gonna do for us is he's going to he's going to speak the beatitudes over us. Okay? He's not just gonna read them. All right. When Jesus came with his disciples and, and and spoke these words, it wasn't a script that he was reading off of. Okay? It was the very word of God, it was the very life breath of God that he was pushing out to his disciples. And so when Tim reads these words, speaks these words over us, I want you to receive them as the very words of Jesus Himself. No pressure. None felt. None felt. It's a man right there. That's right. So but before we get to that, I want to set up the scene a little bit, okay? Because this is what's happening. Jesus has just been baptized, all right? He has submitted himself to the will of God. He didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need to go through the specific baptism that he did. John's baptism, the baptism of repentance, he had nothing to repent from. But he humbled himself, right? He has has gone into the wilderness being driven out, being led out by the Holy Spirit. He's undergone temptation, very intense temptation for 40 days, with no food nothing to drink and his his weapons in the fray are the very word of god his defense and his offense is god's word alone he's completely dependent upon it not his own rationale not his own strength he's allowed himself to be completely pared down to the to the bare existence of, of, of a human in need and still says uh, and still reveals the power of God, to be able to be strong in the midst of temptation. He goes out and and begins his public ministry after this. And as he's going out and teaching, his message is repent. His message is turn turn away from sin and, and experience the kingdom of God. His message is that all of humanity, every single individual needs forgiveness. That's what his message is. And as he goes out and he shares these things, people are being drawn to him. And wherever he travels, all over, all over Israel, people are coming out to him. His fame is growing. It's spreading for hundreds of miles, even into Syria, hundreds of miles away. People are hearing about this teacher, this rabbi. And in the midst of this, as, as Jesus is, is going about his ministry there, one day, He sees the crowds beginning to gather and he takes his disciples, his 12 disciples whom he's already chosen, and he takes them up to a mountainside and he begins to speak to them. The crowds are there and Jesus takes his disciples and climbs up the mountain and finds a level place and begins to speak these words over him. And as he's speaking these words, the crowds are filtering in. The masses continue to grow and gather. And there's going to be a tipping point after the Beatitudes where he continues the Sermon on the Mount. But I, I truly believe that these Beatitudes, this little, these short few minutes, were just spoken to Jesus' disciples because it demands that we have the Spirit of God not to be crushed under the weight of of these words that he's about to say. It's so counterculture. It's so revolutionary. It's so the opposite of our, our way of thinking. So as he saw the crowds gathering, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. Now, when a rabbi came and, and, and sat down, it was his way of saying, this is my official teaching. Now is the time that you need to listen. Now is the time that you need to pay attention. Now is the time that you need to put away the distractions and focus in on these words because they're life and they're truth. And his disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them.
1: God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble The children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it, be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven, and remember. The ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Thanks, Tim. Hmm. So, what do you think when you hear these words? What's your response? Amen? What else? What's going on in your minds? What are you feeling? hope what else we need to become, better human become better human beings what else anticipation, anticipation. It's a relationship what you do god will what? it's relationship interacting with god is anybody scared <laughs> Anybody see that and just go, I don't know, I, I can't do that. Is anybody upset? Is anybody calling Jesus out? Hey, Jesus, see, I've been merciful, and the merciful, like, don't always get mercy. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, wait a second, you know, Jesus, um, blessed are those, but you're blessed when they, when they persecute you? See, I've been persecuted. It doesn't feel good when I'm slandered. It doesn't feel good and I don't feel blessed and I don't feel happy when people talk about me and damage my reputation. See, it doesn't feel good, Jesus. Any of that reaction? Yeah, a few of you are honest. <laughs> we, we wrestle with these things. And that's why it's countercultural. That's why it goes against some of our some of our core feelings it can be uncomfortable. We could even experience despair. And if we're in this place that, that we have like some kind of peaceful tranquility with Jesus's words of just a, says like, well, hey, I'm there. Then we should really pay attention because that's a really dangerous place to be, guys. These are really challenging words. When, when Jesus spoke these words to his disciples and, and continued with the Sermon on the Mount, like, we're going to go through this inverted series over the next several weeks, and then summer hits, and we're actually going to continue and go through the, the whole Sermon on the Mount for this summer. But when people heard these words, their reaction was complete astonishment. See, because everything that they had been taught from the time that they were a child, you know, hey, here's the, here's the brush stroke of, of truth persecution is is bad right bullying is bad bullies are bad we get this kind of mentality in our minds see see that that's that's not a good thing that's not a place of blessing I don't rejoice when when my lunch money gets stolen it's not a it's not a good feeling we wrestle with these places of, of discomfort and Jesus says that if you want to find happiness then you need to to invest in the kingdom. But in in this whole conversation of the Beatitudes, it's all a positive expression. There are no negative expressions here. Jesus is not expressing a a sin-based theology. He's expressing a spirit-based theology, right? That the spirit of God dwells with us. And this idea of blessedness, like what he's calling us to, is the very nature of godliness, we come and we, and, we, and we bring our lives and God gives us this blank canvas, but it's just the background of life is, is dingy, is dirty. We know that, the, that there is sin, that there is brokenness, and yet in the midst of this, we, we want to be good. We've been given the, the very, um, we've been made in the, in the image of God, so we have this desire to bring forth life and truth. We dare to hope even in the midst of brokenness. And as we begin kind of painting on this canvas of our lives and bringing forth light, we also see the contrast. We see, we see the sin in the world. And if we're honest, we see the sin right inside of ourselves. One of the greatest goals of my life for many years was to be thought of as a good person. Like, hey, I want, you to, I want you to think that I'm a good person. And yet, over and over and over again, my own life proved to me that I wasn't a good person. Anybody gotten there yet? Yeah. Okay. Then congratulations. This is where God can begin to speak life to us. This is where God can begin to go, now we can start at ground zero and we can build up not your kingdom, but my kingdom. Right? And that's the, that's the tough words that Jesus is speaking here in the Beatitudes. He's defining the nature of godliness. And if you're a follower of Christ, then what he's telling us is that, that he has placed inside of us his spirit. He has made us spiritually alive, and he wants us to let that out. Okay? Okay. So sometimes when we read these, we, these words, you know, we, we have this tendency, and we're going to kind of go through all of them over the course of this series, but we hear, you know, blessed are the merciful, and we go, all right, I got to be merciful, right? You know, blessed are the pure in heart. All right, I got to stop thinking bad thoughts. I got to stop lusting after girls, and, and I got to stop lusting after miniskirts. Not me personally, but because but, I will just be weird. I'm sorry, I got hairy legs, so... Sorry, I just put a mental image in your minds uh, that you, I know, thankfully this is not in in real life, so you can just erase that, go ahead, focus in on on what Paul is painting here. We desire things, you know, and in the midst of this, Jesus is saying, no, like, focus in on me and you're going to, and you're going to, we're going to let the kingdom out, Okay. We're going to let the kingdom out. We're going, to, we're going to follow his words of life. These are words not of condemnation. So if you hear condemnation, I want you to know that you are not hearing God's voice. Okay? If you read through those things and you hear, yep, you're a wicked person. Yep, you'll never be right. Yep, you can't do that either. You're horrible. Why are you even here this morning? If you're hearing those kinds of things in your head, I want you to know that it is not the voice of God because the voice of God is not condemnation. It is conviction, okay? It is saying this is what is and this is what will be, okay? This is, this is the gap between where you are, Dan Meyer, and where I want you to be, okay? And in that, we, we rest securely in, the, securely in the love of God. And that's why these words are for his disciples, Okay? That's why I really believe one of, these, one of the reasons is it, that, that I kind of interpret like Jesus is just talking to his disciples in these moments is because it is impossible to bear the weight of these things without the spirit of God saying, i got you back. We're going to do this together. I'm with you. Okay? Otherwise, what we're left in is complete despair. And if you're feeling that despair, then I want you to know this morning that God desires a relationship with you, like Leah told us. That God wants to to speak into our lives and to draw us. And he wants to take our lives and and he wants to get a, a blank canvas. And he wants to start bringing these strokes and say, this is who you think you are. This is who you've designed yourself to be. These are your natural cravings and your desires. And these are the things that you're building up. But I want you to know that I've got more for you. I've got a different design. And at first, it may be a little hard for you to see. It may be a little bit hard for you to kind of figure out what's going on. It may be seasons of life, entire seasons of life where you just have to be obedient, where you just have to be submissive, where you just have to follow the path, where you just have to create time to say, here, God, I am with you. I am yours. And when we do that, we experience this thing that Jesus contrasted with happiness, which was blessedness. Now, this was completely countercultural because blessedness wasn't for humans. In Jesus's culture, in in the people that he was hanging out with in that time, when he said, blessed are, what they expected was, blessed are the dead. Blessed are the gods. They're the ones that are blessed. They don't have to put up with all this junk here on earth. And Jesus says, no, blessed are the, the ones who are poor in spirit, those who are poor and, and realize their need for God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll be called the children of God. All of these things that he began to unfold said, blessedness is not temporary happiness. Blessedness is... Is the kingdom of God inside of your life? It is the kingdom of God inside of you that brings heaven to earth, that brings that state, that place of sufficiency and satisfaction and peace? Maybe you, maybe you know the verses in, in Philippians 4 where Paul talks about the peace that surpasses. All understanding, right? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about blessedness. He's talking about interacting with God and flowing out of a life with God. You see, Jesus stepped off the throne of heaven, was encapsulated in flesh, came and lived life as a man. It always blows my mind. He, he didn't just come and show up as a man and then like died. No, he, he was born. He went through the birth canal. He went through a place of dependency upon his, his mama, Right? didn't, you know, Joseph didn't run down to the corner store and get a bottle of formula, okay? There was a dependency, there was an intimacy that was necessary for the sustaining of the life of the son of God. And Jesus put himself in that position, dependent, humble. And as he grows into a man, he grasps the handles of the earth and he flips it upside down and says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. God has come to you. God will serve you. He inverted spiritual gravity so that no longer were we focused on this sin-based theology of what we have done wrong and what we can't possibly do, but instead this spirit-based theology that says God is with you and he will help you overcome. And this is something that, that you and I, we wrestle with on a daily basis, right? I remember being a, being a, a young man and, and kind of, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. I already told you my, my, one of my biggest desires was to just be a good person. To be thought, of, like I had this insatiable appetite for self-righteousness. I just wanted to be right. I wanted, I wanted you to know that I was right. I wanted to be obedient and, and submissive. I wanted, you know, and some of you are like, man, you're like a parent's dream. No, no, right? Because those things are are like a volcano. (laughs) They just get bottled and bottled and bottled until you explode and go, I can't do it anymore. I'm not righteous. And at some point, our very lives become self-condemning and minded. Begin to see that the, the things that I thought inside were different than the things that I expressed on the outside. I began to see the difference and that my, my heart was burning at times with anger and I couldn't control that. It's so incredibly frustrating to the point where I let other people's hypocrisy be my excuse to be a hypocrite. Oh, they say they're Christians and they, they're obviously not doing it, so I guess I don't want anything to do with this God. And so I ran away from him We come to that point where we we can see that we're not a good person. That the, there's great futility, and it brings us to this place of just being disillusioned with life. Well, what is life about? Am I supposed to just follow my heart? Let me just let me just run after that. And we 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 see these desires inside of us. We see these cravings inside of us, and so we begin to to chase after them, and they bring trial and tribulation and suffering because we know that's all what part of life is and then what God is contrasting what Jesus is contrasting is that yes life is filled with pain but i will show you a way not simply to survive the pain but to be able to overcome it okay now i've been maybe maybe you've experienced this you you try to do good and then you hurt somebody anybody been there like you you do good you try to do a, you try to be a blessing to somebody and then you end up causing them pain I had this experience. I was about 19 years old. I had I had this girlfriend, and it was Valentine's Day, and I, I did all these wonderful things. I made her a mixtape. Anybody remember tapes? Yeah, <laughs> a mixtape. That's right. Some of you're like, what's a tape? <laughs> a few what's a tapers in the room. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yep. That was some serious stuff. Man. That's right, man. I made her the mixtape, right? And there's this song on there. And I was like, she's going to like this song. It's a good song. You know, this is my heartbeat right here, you know. And so I'm hang- we're hanging out. And I got that song on. And-, and we get like 20 seconds into the song. And she goes and like she shuts it off, you know. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Killing my love buzz here. All right, you know. And uh, yeah, and, 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 and uh, I'm like, what? what's wrong, you know, like this, this look just came over her face, you know, and she's like, well, there's something I haven't told you, and um, it has to do with that song, and, um, and I was raped to that song a few years ago, and my heart just broke, right, because here you are, you're trying to express love, you're trying to do good, right, and there's so much brokenness in the world that even the good things that we try to do, we can cause pain, right? And that is disillusioning and it's frustrating. It makes us want to run away from relationships and it makes us want to throw our hands in the air and say, I can't do this. It's not good enough. I just want to hide. Give me that desert island. Give me that Mai Tai. Give me those rolling waves. Give me the sunshine and leave me alone. You know, and God's like, no, I've got more. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. I got the nail holes in my hands and my feet. I've got the the stripes on my back. And, I, and, I've, and I've got the whip marks and I've got the crown of thorn in my head and, and, and I know what the pain is like. And he says, I will show you a way to blessedness. Now in verse 3, this is really kind of where we're just centering in on this morning here for a few moments. As Jesus just steps back with his disciples and says, I want to paint a new a new reality for you. I want to paint a new reality of of life with me and life of blessedness. That blessedness is for humans. That satisfaction, that peace that surpasses all understanding is for you. It is part of God's intended design for the children of God. And he says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And Jesus starts his whole conversation and centers it all around that relationship with God. Without that first step, there really isn't hope for us. Trying to suffer through persecution with just, you know, hey, buck up and put a smile on your face. It could be worse. The least encouraging words in the world, right? It could be worse. Oh, thanks. That makes me feel so much better. No, it, it doesn't at all. No, because this is bad. Like, this, is, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't, need, I don't need sappy words. I need life, right? And so what Jesus is saying is you have to come to God humbly and recognize your need for him. All right, now Jesus isn't just a, a parachute ripcord, okay? He isn't just an airbag. I mean, he's those things too, right? It's nice to have an airbag when you, when you rear-end someone. You know, it's nice to have um, protection, you know, in those senses. But Jesus is like, no, I'm not. That's that's not really what life is about. It's not just the Jesus save me moment. It is it is life with me. It is it is life and breath. it's, It's he's food and water. The kingdom of God is sustenance. He is essential for God's definition of life. And we have, to, we have the choice as we read these Beatitudes. Like, okay, will I opt in for Jesus's, for God's definition of life? Or am I going to continue my definition of life? I mean, blessed are those with a big boat. Like, hey, that, yeah, that, that's good. Blessed are those with a, with a 401k. Blessed are those with bonuses. Blessed are those with fat bank accounts. And, and so as we go, as we go through this, these things, we each have to come to our own. I don't know what God wants to speak to you. It's impossible for me to give a, ser- a sermon illustration to, to all of these different life stages, right? But I know that God wants to speak to each and every one of us individually. He's been hammering my heart all week long with this stuff. And so I know that there are things for Dan Meyer to bring again to the altar and say, Jesus, have your way with me. Right, But I don't know necessarily what all is in, is in your mind and your heart. I don't know. Maybe it's the finances. Maybe it is. Maybe you have not bought into God's design for, for, for finances. Maybe Jesus is Lord of everything but your, but your bank account. Maybe you don't understand the life of generosity that he calls us to, of meeting each other's needs, of being able to, to give sacrificially, to be able to open up our homes, to live out hospitality. To be able to not just, you know, hey, here's my 10%, you know, but to be able to go, I feel so generous. I want to give an offering. I want to, I want to give to the Acts 2 Fund for those people in our community that, that can't turn on their air conditioning because it's about to get hot in here. Okay? I want to be able to bless my brothers and my sisters. But maybe, maybe your kingdom is, is still coming in that area. You know, Maybe it's in that area of relationships where there's so much pain and you've been hurt and there's so many bad choices and there's so many people that, that you have been wronged by that you've just given up and you've become introverted and you're ready to hide. And we have to, again, embrace these words, embrace these words and say, are they life? Are they truth? Is Jesus a liar? Is Jesus lying to us? What does he want for us? And so when we come to him, that's how we can know his freedom. And it's only when we come to him empty-handed and open-handed. Because sometimes we come to God and we say, all right, God, you know, here I am. I want to give you all of my awesome personality. Here I am. I want to give you all of my strengths. God, you need me. You didn't know what you were missing. All right, here I am. You know, we come to God and and God's like, no, you need to come empty-handed and open-handed. I'm going to give you the things that you need. In fact, in your world, you're so focused on all of your good attributes, how beautiful and wonderful you are, how talented you are in these areas, how much strengths that you have. You're so focused on that, you don't even understand. Like in my inverted culture, in my inverted world, I use your weakness to make me look good. I want to use your, the places that you've been hiding from the rest of the world, and I want to give you the strength to be able to say, look how ugly I am. And let God change me. You know, and then sometimes we, we get that personality. We're like, we, we, we think, okay, well, this is just who I am, right? People around us in relationships are coming in. Hey, you're a little abrasive in this area, Dan. You're a little intimidating in this area. You, you got a little bit of a problem here. You know, and we go, hey, this is just my personality, you know? This is who I am, right? It's just another brush stroke on the canvas. This is my identity. This is who I am, right? And God says, well, if you want to be my follower, then you come to me and you let me tell you who you are. You come to me and, 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 you, and you understand that it's not about what you think your personality is. Your personality isn't a liability, okay? Your personality is, a, is an opportunity for you to express the love of Christ. That I want to mold you and shape you into the image of my, my glorious son, Jesus. And all you have to do is let the kingdom come out. But sometimes we don't come to him humbly. Sometimes we don't come to him as a child. And that is the place of wrestling for every single one of us. Those places where, where we just say, you know what? My will be done. Those places where we, where we say, you know what? I kind of like this dark cloud that I'm living in. It's comfortable. I don't even see the cockroaches anymore. You know? And if we're honest about those places in our lives, some disgusting things going on in the dark places of our lives that God wants to shine some light on and give us freedom in. He binds us up where we're broken. He gives us grace because of Christ. And humility is not a virtue in our world. It's something that is greatly appreciated, but largely Undesired. T.S. Eliot puts it this way. He says, Humility is the most difficult of virtues to achieve. Nothing dies harder than the desire to think well of oneself. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Humility opens the door in prayer for us to be able to hear God give us instruction instead of vice versa. If you ever have ever prayed a prayer and cried out to a God that you don't believe in, you have tasted the invitation to blessedness. If you have ever said, this is not good enough, then you have tasted the invitation to blessedness, right? But this is, this is meat and potato stuff. Or maybe for some of you, it's tofu and potatoes. I don't know. But this is, this is something that we have to grasp onto. It's not, it's not gastrique or, or how you say it, foie gras. You know, it's not that stuff that it's all fluffy and frou-frou. This is just Jesus saying, this is what life is about. Here are the bare essentials. And in the midst of that, Jesus sets the example in all of these things. He was dependent upon his parents. He was dependent upon the Father. He was obedient and submissive in his baptism. He was obedient and submissive even to the point of death. He was on the throne of heaven and he stepped off and he put on flesh. And then at the end of it all, It says that God raised him up to the highest place. And this is a big part of humility. Is it knowing that this is not just a moment in time. That this life is not just what the whole enchilada is. But there is a reward that is coming. But the reward also starts now. Eternity is now. I want to close our time together here with just another section of scripture. I just want to read these words to you and and I want you just to hear the voice of Jesus as he prays to the Father and then as he speaks some words of life to his disciples. And this is out of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things. From those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said this Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and am gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The question this series is asking us, the question that the Word of God is asking us, is will we let God bring forth His nature in us? Will we let Him turn us upside down? Will we let him reverse spiritual gravity so that we can see things his way, so that we can come to him? Will we open ourselves to be taught by him so that he can reveal to us his purposes? And the contrast between those worldly beatitudes and the way that we call life, contrast that and reveal what his beatitudes are, his purpose, his life, his ways, and experience his freedom. Let's go to God in prayer. So, uh, Paula Caprell, thank you so much for blessing us with your, your artistry here. Um, you know, when we, when we come to God, sometimes things look a little bit inverted. Maybe it looks like people are flying. But actually, there's a whole nother thing that's going on here. As God turns our lives upside down, reveals his purposes as we come to him instead of flying like we think we are masters of our own destiny we come and kneel at the feet of Jesus and we receive from him because he is gentle and humble and his purposes are for our good and for his glory I don't know what God wants to speak to you today, but I know that he wants to speak to you. I encourage you to continue this conversation with God and also in community.